What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Somebody just say Jesus this morning. Jesus. Ah, I said, say it like you mean it. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Let's open up God's Word this morning. We're continuing our series in the book of Joshua. We're in Joshua chapter 6 today. We're continuing the series on being confident. Confident is the name of the series because we go through life and we seem to run into times when we lose our confidence, we lose our courage. And Joshua was told by God in the very beginning of this book, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. And that is our goal as we look at this today. So as we look in Joshua today, we're in Joshua chapter 6. But I want to begin today by exploring just to see if anybody can relate to me today. See if anybody is on the same page that I've been in before. There comes a time in everyone's life when they're faced with what seems to be impossible. Anybody here ever been faced with something impossible? Maybe it's been impossible to make a decision. Maybe it's been impossible task to overcome. Maybe it was something that just seemed absolutely, utterly, completely, and totally, somebody say it, impossible. I need your help to preach today. There's a task to be done. There's an urgent financial need. There is a life-threatening illness, a need to overcome a bondage or an addiction. There's family problems, family troubles, all that seem to be, what's the word? Impossible. And so we fight. When we're faced with, with the impossible, one of the choices we often choose is to fight. Whenever something seems to be stronger than us, what do we normally have to do? Either get stronger or make the stronger one look weaker. You follow me? That's one of the things we do naturally when we fight and we're faced with the impossible or, or, or we're fighting with someone else or, or if you're stepping onto a field in sports and they're stronger than you, you either have to step up and get stronger or you got to tear them down to be on the same level playing field, right? There's also this idea sometimes that we have to be smarter. If they're smarter than us, we have to just get smarter or outsmart them or outwit them or just tear them down to a point where they look like they're dumb and stupid. Is that just not the natural way that we will fight when we come up against something impossible or against someone? The odds are usually stacked against us of having victory, of having something that's going to give us that moment of saying, yes, we shall overcome. Even those of us who say Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we're faced with those moments when we feel like it's, what's the word? Impossible. Thank you for helping me preach today. You know, if you, maybe you've been engaged in a fight in the past, or maybe you're engaged in a fight right now, or you're going to be engaged in a fight this week or tomorrow or in the next few months. Let me ask a question, how will you fight the impossible? How will you fight against the one who's coming against you or the situation that seems to be too big? Will you simply get to the place where you must become bigger and stronger or smarter than the impossible? Well, let me give you another idea when it comes to this fight. Let's look at God's direction on how we should fight. Because we've been fighting in our own flesh, in our own mind, and in our own way, way too long. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say oh me. Oh, me. That's, that's, that's us, isn't it? We tend to fight 
in our own flesh, in our own mind, in our own ideas. And usually, you know what it leads to? Somebody just say trouble with me. Because that's exactly what you get is trouble. Absolute trouble when we try to do it on our own. So, how do we fight God's way? Well, we've been looking at Joshua and the story that has brought them to the promised land finally. They are standing in the promised land and last week we saw where Joshua, he was peering out toward Jericho. Looking at his, the enemy and he saw a man opposite him. And I am of the opinion and belief that that was an incarnate Jesus Christ standing there before him. If you want to know more, you can go back and listen to last week's sermon. But I believe it was a manifestation, manifestation, whew, that was a big word, that was a, that was a $10 word, wasn't it, for this Delonica boy, manifestation of God himself, of Jesus, right before Joshua. Because he said, I am the commander of the Lord's army. I am the commander of the Lord's host. And Jesus is that. And so we look and see how Joshua is encountering this moment when he's trying to figure out how to overcome the impossible. So I want us to really dive into this idea of a victorious perspective, but I want us to start with verse number 1 in chapter 6. Read with me in your copy of God's Word. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. I want us to appear and just camp here just for a moment with this verse because it says Jericho was shut up. What does that mean? It means that the gates were closed, they were locked down, they were under quarantine. We can all re relate to quarantine, right? But they were quarantined. The commanders, the, the leaders, the rulers, everybody in that city had said, do not go outside the walls of this city. Because, why? The children of Israel are right out there. They're coming for us. So man closed up the walls. They isolated themselves. They put themselves in this city and closed it up because of fear. See, we looked a few weeks ago at how the children of Israel was actually afraid of all those people who were in the promised land. Said, we look like grasshoppers. But yet we also realized whenever they went to talk to Rahab how all of them were scared to death of the children of Israel. Because God had gone before them to prepare a way that they would know that the children of Israel was not to be messed with. So we see right up front... That man shut up the walls, they shut the doors, they were isolated because of fear. But let me tell you something, no matter what man does to make something impossible, God can tear down the wall. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Because He will take the impossible, He will make it possible, because God is God. Now, let's begin to really look at a victorious perspective, but we need to begin in verse 14 of chapter 5. Whenever Joshua approaches this man across from him, he asks him this question. Are you for us or are you against us? Because he had a sword drawn, he wanted to know. Verse 14, he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? 
The very first thing about having a victorious perspective when it comes to the impossible is this, that God is the commander of the battle, not you and not me. That is an important perspective to have, that God is the commander. He's going to be calling the shots. He's in control of this entire thing and not me. God is the commander for the battle. Tony Evans said that about this particular person that's standing there before Joshua, he said this, that God, he did not come to take sides, but to take over. See, God is not going to come into your life in the midst of impossible and say, well, exactly how do you want it? How would you like for this battle to be fought? God does not come to get on our side. We need to get on His. We covered that last week. But here's the thing. If you want to begin with a victorious perspective, understand that God is the commander, not you. And when we understand that, that puts us in a very specific place that as we look at the impossible, we should see it differently. God is the commander. commander. Now, what we can know about all this is that we are to serve the Lord. The Lord is not to serve us. I just wanted that to sit for a second. We are to serve the Lord, not the Lord serve us. So often we will come to God when something looks impossible and say, God, you really need to move that. You need to fix this. You need to take care of this or that. We must be careful when we pray like that. Because God himself being the commander may be saying, you need this battle. This battle must be fought by you. God could have just had everybody in Jericho just die. I mean, he is God. Or he could have showed up with a tank and just blown them all up. But no, God needed them to fight a battle because that was important for them. Why? Because it would grow them. It would give them a perspective they would not have if they were not faced with the impossible. The battle, Joshua is reminded, is the Lord's battle. It was not Joshua's battle. It was not Joshua's city to take, but it had been given to him. God is not here to serve us, we're here to serve Him. Second thing about a victorious perspective is this. Not only is God the commander for the battle, but God provides the victory. If He's the commander, He's responsible for the victory in our life. He's responsible for the outcome, not you and I. When we approach it that we are the commander, guess whose responsibility it falls on, whose shoulder it lies on, that there is a victory, you and I. But God wants us to know that if we will let Him command the ship, that the victory will be on His shoulder to bring about the result. It starts with a promise. Look in verses 1 and 2 here. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. That is critical. Don't miss that little commentary there. The Lord said to Joshua, See, that's, a, that's an interesting word. I know you want to read the next part of this verse, but I want you to stop there for a second. And that word see is critical to what was right before it. What's in verse 1, we must know so we can understand the first word there, which is see. The Lord is telling Joshua, if you'll look, they've shut the gates. They're not letting anybody in or out because, listen, Verse 2, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and the valiant warriors. 
See, God was promising a promise that he would fulfill. And if God makes a promise, I guarantee you, you can take it to the bank. It's going to be worth every cent that God will fulfill the promise he has made. See, he was showing Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be brave. Look, they've closed up the gates. Joshua would realize the only reason you close the gates is if why? You're scared. You close it because you're scared. Because all of a sudden you realize we have the advantage here. I thought that we would be on the, the bottom end of this situation, but God flips it around and they close up the gates. They lock it down because they're scared. And God promises, see, that one word is powerful in that verse. See, look, can't you realize the work I've already done in this battle? And if we realize that, we can have hope in the battle to come. So just how big and formidable was Jericho? Well, one commentator said that the walls were so thick they could, they could ride two chariots at one time with horses side by side around the wall. Now, how many of you this morning got here by car? Probably most everybody here drove a car. How many of you drove on a two-lane highway? Most all of us. I mean, if you drove right out here on Atlanta Highway, you drove on a two-lane highway. Other words, this wall was as thick as the road you drove on coming here this morning. And it wasn't short. Some commentators say it was 20 to 40 feet tall. And if you see something of that size, you would say, it's impossible. The wall is there. The gates are shut up. They are locked. It is closed down tight. How can we penetrate something so impossible? So this person who's standing there, this, this manifestation of God, this, this incarnation of Jesus Christ says, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and the valiant warriors. I'm not just giving you some of it. I'm giving you the king and the warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns, horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So, not only do we understand that, that God is the commander and that He provides the victory, but also God sets the battle plan. He's the one who decides how the war will be fought. You know, you never see a private in the army going, well, I think we need to do it this way, so I'm going to go over here and do it this way. A private always follows his commanders. He always follows the orders that he has been given. And this is what is happening here. God is the commander. He has told Joshua the exact plan of what to do. And Joshua did not go, well, God, that makes absolutely no sense. That's the dumbest thing I've heard. Are you telling me, God? You want me to do something so illogical that they're going to look at us and laugh. Can you imagine just for a moment, once he had a clear understanding of God's plan, what the people must have thought when he shared it with them. 
Some of them probably thought, what has Joshua been drinking? Did he get enough sleep last night? Is this for real? All we're going to do is just walk around the city, not say anything. We're just going to do it one time. And when you read through chapter 6, you'll find that they got up early in the morning. Verse 12 says, Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took the Ark of the Covenant, and all the men of war went with them early in the morning. The sun's coming up. Here they come the first day. Here comes all these men of war and the Ark of the Covenant and Joshua. And they walk around that city just looking and staring. These men of war probably hadn't seen exactly how impossible the wall was until they walked around it and they start looking. And don't you know they start going, really? Really? What are we doing here? This makes no sense. There's a reason why God has this in Scripture. Because sometimes He asks us to do what makes no sense in the impossible so that only He can show up and do something great and not us. See, it is God's working in and through us that brings about glory to Him. But we must be faced with the impossible. And we have to sometimes do the illogical for God to truly be able to show up and do the amazing. So we have to understand that God's got a reason for His plan and what we need to do. Each day they marched. They went to this city. They'd line up. And they would march around the city. Can you imagine what the people inside the city were thinking? They're looking out there going, is today the day? They're going to come in. You guys ready? What are they doing? Big bunch of fools. They're just walking around doing nothing. Hey, they left. They're gone. Now what? They coming back? Oh, no. Second day, same thing happens. What do you think they're thinking by day number six? They're probably going, they ain't going to do nothing. That's probably what's going through their mind. They're thinking, we got this. They're scared of us. We're all locked up in here. They're not bringing any weapons that's going to take down, down these walls. I mean, this wall is strong and sturdy. It's impossible for them to overcome what I'm presenting to them. Let me tell you something. There is an enemy called Satan that wants to present to you the impossible and make you believe there is no way you'll overcome it. And he will sit back and let me tell you what he does to you when you think it's impossible. He laughs at you. He thinks, ha, 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 I got them now. They think this is impossible. So you're going to live your life. You're going to walk. You're going to believe. And here's a key thing. I don't know if you've noticed. But when you read this story, you know what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to be silent. They're not supposed to shout or say anything until Joshua tells them to. Now, here's just a truth I'd like to throw out there to you. You know one of the greatest obstacles to us having victory in the impossible? Can I show you? Our tongue. Our tongue can be the greatest obstacle to us finding victory in the impossible. We can begin to open our mouth and say things and begin to rationalize things and begin to use our mouth in a way that takes us exactly where the enemy wants us to go. But God said, here's what I want you to do in this plan. Be quiet. Just be silent. On the seventh day, after the seventh time, you're going to shout. But not until then. 
So God puts forth this plan that seems illogical, seems crazy, and impossible. The impossible brought them to a place that they all would understand that only God can do something here. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when you're faced with the impossible, you're actually faced with an opportunity for God to do something powerful. The impossible equals opportunity for God to do something incredible and powerful. Somebody say impossible. Now I want you to say opportunity with some gusto. Opportunity. The impossible is an opportunity for God to do something greater than you ever thought possible. See, as long as it's not impossible, guess who has the power? Guess who has the ability to do it? We do. As long as it is something we have the ability to do, it's not really impossible. But God brings us to that place where there's no way we can do it. And we step back, and you know what the first thing is that we do? We complain to God. God, why? Why have you put me in such an impossible position? If you love me, a loving God wouldn't put me in this impossible position. Oh, a loving God would put you exactly where you are in the impossible so that He can prove Himself and show how great He thinks of you by doing the impossible in, doing the possible in the impossible. See, God is doing a great work in your life. So when it comes to the impossible being victorious, the impossible victory, the best battles God wins are shrouded and wrapped up when you're overwhelmed, you're, you're overworked, you're outmanned, outmuscled, and outsmarted. That's how God wraps up the package to do something really powerful and great in your life. So if you're faced with something like that right now, if you've got a fight in your life that just feels like it's impossible, you're in the exact spot, and it's wrapped up perfectly for God to bring a great, powerful, impossible victory in your life. They marched. On the seventh day, they went around one time. And don't you know everybody that's, that's watching is going, Yeah, here they come again. Hey, Sam, watch this. They're going to go home, just like yesterday. Wait a minute. They didn't go home. They're going around a second time. They come around the second time. They go, well, what are they going to do now? They're still going. Hey, guys, this is different. What are they doing? What's happening here? This makes no sense. The fourth time, they're walking around. They're going, hmm. The fifth time, they're walking around. What do you think the Israelites are thinking and feeling? Have you ever been so hungry your stomach hurt? Have you ever been in a place where you're like, man, if I could just get a morsel of something, I would be so happy. Or maybe maybe you've been at home when somebody's cooking something and it smells so... How many of you have just smelled some barbecue cooking before? I'm telling you what, there ain't nothing like good barbecue cooking, amen? Where you smell that and you're going... Mm -mm. And if you haven't eaten for a while, boy, you're anticipating taking that first bite. And there's something about food when you're anticipating it that makes it so much better. These men that were walking around this city had anticipated the day they would step onto the promised land. Joshua had waited 40 years for this moment. They walk around one time. It's day seven. They walk around the second and the third. Don't you know Joshua, is? he starts walking around the... Seventh day, and he's like, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. The second time around, he's walking a little faster. All right, come on, guys, let's go. Fourth time, he's like, oh, yeah, baby, here it comes. God's about to do something big, and he's going to do something great, and I'm excited. By the seventh time, whoo, this is it, boys. Are you ready? 
And I want you to, to, to look at with me. In chapter 6, verse 16, At the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, I want you to notice the exclamation point in your translation. In my translation, it's an exclamation point there right after this word. It says this, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Joshua had to be excited. Forty years he had waited. Man, he had talked to God. God had given the plan. He's in control. He's going, I'm doing the illogical, but God's about to do something that's incredible because he promised that these walls would fall down, that this city would be ours. Now let's watch and see this happen. See, he believed what the Lord said. For the Lord has given you the city. With God, nothing is impossible. And because of God, impressing people is not something that is important. Joshua wasn't there to impress anybody or to make somebody think he was smart. He was there to obey God. So here's what I want you to write down. God does the unusual to accomplish the impossible. God does the unusual to accomplish the impossible. He did the impossible. He overcame it by doing something totally unexpected and illogical. But can I give you a tidbit of information? The only way Joshua knew... Now listen... Somebody needs this. The only way Joshua knew what to do that made no sense was because he had been alone with his Lord. Don't miss that in chapter 5. Because he had been alone with his Lord, he was able to hear from God so that he knew what to do, even if it made no sense. We cannot expect God to give us the plan if we don't make time for Him. He will tell us what to do if we make Him a priority. But He's not going to force Himself into our calendar, force Himself into our, our time of listening. He wants us to know the plan, but we have to spend time with Him one-on-one, -on -one, quietly, not with cars zipping by while you drive to work or to the doctor's office. The flesh wants to run away. The flesh wants to say, this is impossible, let somebody else deal with it. But God says, I want you to run toward it. Because remember what God told them at the very end of verse 5? He said, It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. See, the flesh wants to run in the other direction, but God provided a victory for them to run toward the fight. But they could not do it until God did a great move to make the impossible possible. God did a great work here. He wants to do a great work in your life. He wants to take the impossible that you're faced with and He wants to use that opportunity to do something powerful. You know, here's what excites me. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, what fight you're having to fight, what battle is before you. It doesn't matter how you fought the fight yesterday. What matters is what you do about the fight today. When you embrace the fight and say, you know, I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to let Him command the, the direction of, of this fight. And whatever He says I'm going to do, let me tell you what you can do. You can shout and God will tear down a wall. So on the count of three, let's see how many of you really want victory in your life. I'm not talking, hey. 
I'm talking even greater than when your favorite football team makes the winning touchdown when there's only two seconds left in the fourth quarter. I'm talking our God is going to tear down something impossible in someone's life who have felt they have felt discouraged, they have felt down, they have felt like there's no way forward, there's nothing for me to do, but somebody is going to find victory because we're going to shout. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah! Woo! Let me tell you something. The devil better run in fear. Because when God's people comes together, do you notice what happens here? God's people were together. They did what they needed to do because God had directed them. And when they were unified and they gave that shout, boom, something great happened. But we know what really took place, right? It wasn't the reverberation of the sound that bounced off the walls and the mountains that caused all the walls to crumble and fall. It was God Himself who was commanding, Jesus commanding the Lord's army that went up to those, those walls and said, Watch this, boys. Boom! Walls are nothing when it comes to my God. Whatever is impossible in your life can be possible. How does that relate to us today? Well, I want you, just for a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. God's Word says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That's going back to how we were talking earlier about how sometimes we just need to get stronger, smarter, make them dumber, tear them down, figure out logically how we're going to fix it. We, what God is telling us here is we don't need to war like that. We walk in the flesh, we got fleshly problems, but we don't need to battle like that. Listen, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. See, if you're trying to fight a battle and fight the impossible based on your flesh, you know what you're going to find? Defeat. But when you take this verse and you move forward, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. The, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They are spiritual. It is God at the helm as the commander, as the one given the plan. And when He promises victory, it's going to come. It may not look like what we want, but He's going to provide victory. And when we stand in that, we're going to be able to stand victorious in the midst of the impossible. I had a strange thought, though. Is anything really impossible if all things are possible with God? The word impossible really is not really a, a word. Because when it comes to God, all things are possible. So whatever you're faced with that you've said is impossible, whatever you have been thinking that is impossible, let me tell you, according to the record He has given us in writing, all things are possible through Him. Paul said, I, have, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through Himself, not through His flesh, but Christ who strengthens me. I have learned to be content. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let me tell you something today. If you're faced with something impossible, something that seems to just be overwhelming, that you cannot take on, 
God wants to be the commander. He wants to give you a plan. And it's probably not going to make any sense. And you're going to have to trust Him by faith. And it's going to be the moment that will decide whether He is the commander or you are. Are you going to create a mutiny and overthrow what God has said and say, God, that just makes no sense? Or are you going to say, okay, God, it's what you've said. It's what I'll do. There are times when we are faced with a moment and it is a fight and we should speak up and say something to defend ourselves or get revenge. And God says, be quiet. Say nothing. Just as Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter and said not a word, so must we sometimes. Does that make any logical sense? It only makes sense in the realm that that means that we're letting God be our defender. Sometimes God will ask us to do things that we say, but, but God, if I do that, then here's harm that's going to come because of that. If you're asking me to do something that's going to bring harm. And I can just imagine your loving father saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me to do the impossible? You know, Joshua and all those men of war and those priests had to be standing there going, what in the world's about to happen? But simply because God had said for them to shout, they shouted. When Satan whispers doubt in your mind, simply whisper back, God has already won this. God is the one who's already brought victory. But it's going to take courage It's going to take fortitude. It's going to take a resolve for you to know God is the commander and he's giving you direction. So what do we do with this? How do we get to a place where we can live like that? Well, the very first thing is this. Number one, get alone with the Lord. Get alone with the Lord, with God. Get alone with him. Don't wait for somebody else to tell you what to do, how to do it. Yes, there's great wisdom in counsel. There's great uh, direction in spending time doing a devotion or listening to a devotion. And I encourage you to do that. But get alone with the Lord. You and Him. Just get alone with Him. Joshua found himself there. The Lord was able to speak into his life and tell him, here's what I want you to do. So when when you get alone with Him, know this. You will never fight the Lord's battle. The Lord's way until you have the Lord's plan. And the only way you can fight the Lord's battle the Lord's way with the Lord's plan is if you get alone with Him to hear what that is. So number one, we have to get alone with Jesus. But number two, we have to learn His plan for me. Learn what that plan is that He wants you to partake in when it is impossible. God loves it when you say, I don't know what to do. I mean, let's have a moment of just confession. If you're brave enough, have you ever just said to the Lord, God, I don't know what to do. I have. Hey, I'm going to be the first one to confess it. I've said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I don't know which direction to go. I don't know how to deal with this. I just don't know. And you know what God is doing? Finally, I'm glad. He loves it 
when we have to put it all in His hand. And let Him be the commander. Let Him give us the plan and direction. But we have to be alone with Him. We have to be alone with Jesus. We have to be alone with the Lord to hear what that plan is. Nobody can handle walls like my God. Nobody can move enemies like my God. Nobody can make a way out of no way like my God can. No one can shut lying lips or deal with the hearts like God can. And no one can fight battles like God can. So what are you going to do? Fight it in your flesh or are you going to let Him be the commander? Get alone with Him. Find out what His plan is. And the third thing is, can't let you go without this one take action whatever God's plan is do it even if it makes no sense even if it seems to just be ridiculous I'll tell you one thing it will not do it will not contradict God's word but it may sound absolutely ludicrous to all your friends you may say well people are gonna laugh at me if I do that if I carry my Bible people are gonna somebody might complain and I may be called before HR or a complaint may be brought up before me, a charge. If God has asked you to do it, do it and trust Him. You never know what His plan has in store for you and those around you. When you do things the Lord's way, people will see a reason to ridicule you. We live in a culture that wants to look at everything they can to ridicule Christians. They want to, to poke fun and laugh and say we're so behind the times, but can I tell you something? I'd rather put my views and my ideas in the one who holds eternity than in the ones who just are popular in their opinion. I want to hold on to God's direction and His view, not theirs. Because when I face God and I'm faced with eternity, I want him to look and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Expect ridicule if you do things God's way and it don't make sense. Max Licato said, keep walking because for all you know today may be the day the walls come down and you enter a new level of joy, peace, and faith. In other words, don't give up. Don't give up simply because you feel like it ain't working. Day one... Man, you're excited. I'm doing God's, the God's told me to do this, and I'm going to do it. Day two, you still have a sense of conf, uh, uh, confidence. Day five and day six, you're going, really? After all the ridicule I've gotten, I just don't know if this is really from the Lord. Would He really want me to be feeling this way and ridiculed by people? Don't stop walking. Day seven, it's time to walk around seven times. Surely somebody would have said, I just want to go back to camp. We're going to do the same thing we've always done. But no, because they kept walking that seventh time around, Joshua said, now shout, for the Lord has given you this city. They shouted, and the walls fell down. The walls fell down. That, my friend, is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take the impossible and make it possible. He wants to tear down those walls and fight that battle. But will you let him? Gina, if you'll come on. The seven-day challenge this week is this. Daily you can say these words. I have put the battle in God's hands and I'm going to let him work it out. 
whatever your battle is in your life, whatever fight you're having to fight, whatever is you're engaged in or what is going on, just confidently say, if you had asked Joshua, where are you at with this situation? Joshua would have said, I have given this battle into the Lord's hands and he's going to work it out. I'm not sure how those walls are going to fall. It may not make any sense. But the one thing I know for certain, those walls will fall. Let's not concern, to concern ourselves with the how or the why as much as with the yes, I will obey. And I will have faith that God will work it out. So for the next seven days, confidently say every day, I've given this battle, whatever that battle is, into God's hand and He's going to work it out. And I dare you to tell somebody that this week. Tell somebody that you've given the battle into the Lord's hand and He's going to work it out. Will you pray with me this morning, Father? We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the promise of your word. And God, some people come today, they are fighting, they are frustrated, they are depressed, they are down, they are faced with the impossible. But God, may they stand and may they declare this isn't impossible any longer. It's an opportunity for God, for you to do something powerful and great. Lord, and it's going to be more than just a moment. It may take days or months, but may they get along with you and know that your plan is perfect. We must trust that plan. Father, today, I pray that you'll move upon the hearts and the minds of people. That whatever they are faced with, they will surrender it to you completely. Lord, it is because of the victory that you won that was impossible for us to accomplish. We can even have this conversation right now. Lord, you won a victory when you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, so that we may have life and have it more abundantly now, but have life eternal with you. Lord, coming to church, doing the right things is not enough. It's impossible for us to bridge the gap between us and you. But Lord, Jesus came and he tore down the wall so that we can have that relationship with you. So today, Father, if there is someone in our midst, someone listening, someone tuning in, someone in this room, they have not made that commitment to you, that they have said, it's impossible for me to make God happy. It's impossible for me to go to heaven. Look at what all I've done. God, let them know right now that you did the impossible so that they can know, so that they can be forgiven, so that they can have that relationship with you. Father, I thank you that you took that battle, you fought it, and you won it in victory. Does it make logical sense? No, it does not. But Father, you did it in a way, you did it in a way that offers all of us that victory. Lord, right now, if there's someone that needs to just ask you to take over their life and forgive them and take over their life, may they do that right now. They don't have to repeat something I say. All they have to do is simply say, forgive me and take over my life. Lord, it's not a battle that has to be fought. It's a battle that was already fought and won. We just have to accept that victory. Lord, for those of us who have given our life to you, 
and we're faced with the impossibilities. And there's a fight that stands before us, bigger than us, stronger than us, smarter than us, that just there's no way we can get out of it. It's a tough situation. Lord, we leave that into your hands, that you will do a great and mighty work. Take that opportunity to work in our life. Remind us each and every day to declare that it's in your hands and not ours. Lord, we pray these things in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.